Good morning. As always, great to be with you this morning. Glad that you are here. We've got some holes today, so which means we have more people joining us online, I guess. I know we've got a lot of families out of town, um, but good to have you with us today. Before I start, let me say two things. First, last night was so much fun. If you missed the fall festival last night, um, it was great. And I think Angie's back with the kids right now, but uh, be sure and thank Angie Manley. There's a lot of people that worked really hard on that, but none of it would have happened had Angie not made it happen. And I know it was kind of supposed to be for the kids, but uh, I think us adults had more fun than the kids last night. So uh, that was great. The other thing that I want to say before I start, and this has really nothing to do with my lesson, except I find it incredibly ironic. You remember last week, I put a picture up here of the world's dirtiest man who hadn't had a bath in almost 70 years. He died on Sunday, a week ago, right after he took a bath. <laughs> Several people shared that with me, I kid you not. Um, Amu Haggai had a bath for the first time in almost seven decades, and shortly afterwards, he died at age 94. I don't know what to take from that, but... Uh, I found it really strange that I talk about him one week and then, in fact, the day I talk about him, he, he dies from being clean by the bath. So I don't know. But, uh, yeah. Well, today is, I think, the fourth week in our sermon series, Make It Count. And we're spending some time talking about the need for us to number our days so that all of our days count. Last Sunday, I was talking to to Jim Miltner, and Jim told me a story about uh, uh, some new parents that named their little boy Odd, and as he grew, he hated that name. He hated the name Odd. Of course, when he went to school, everybody made fun of him, and he got bullied, and he got picked on, and all through his adult life, he hated the name Odd. Everybody made fun of his name. He just hated that name, and as an adult, he told his wife, if I die first, I want you to make sure you do not put my terrible name on my tombstone. I just want you to put the date I was born, the date I was died. Do not put my terrible name on that tombstone. And sure enough, he died first, and his wife honored his request. His headstone had just a beginning date, the date he was born, and the date he died. Nothing else on it. And people walked through the cemetery, and they looked at that headstone and said, that's odd. You saw that one coming, didn't you? <laughs> well, one day, all of us are going to have a tombstone probably with three things on it. And I've told you this every single week. Our name, the date we were born, the date we died. And you had no say in that first date. And you probably have no say in that second date. But that dash between the two dates, you have a lot to say about that. We get to decide how we live our dash. And as we've talked about these last several weeks, our dash is short. So Jesus told two stories reminding us of just how short that dash is. Uh, we looked at one of those stories last week, a story that Jesus told about a man who had such a great year that he had so many extra crops, they didn't know what to do with them, so he makes a decision, I'll tear down my barns. 
I'll build bigger barns. And I told you last week that that particular story was one of two stories that Jesus told where the main character dies in the story. This morning, we're going to take a look at the second story that Jesus tells where, again, the main character dies in the story. And I'm going to tell you right up front, this is a very sobering story. This is a very serious story because Jesus is going to talk about very sobering, very serious things. And I think sometimes we forget that Jesus did that. I think we forget sometimes how often Jesus talked about really serious, sobering things. Yeah, he, he talks a lot about love and grace and mercy and forgiveness, which is serious for sure. But I think we forget sometimes how often Jesus talked about things that were a little bit frightening, maybe even offensive. I think sometimes we forget that Jesus talked more about hell than he talked about heaven. In fact, he's going to talk about hell in the story that we're going to look at this morning. He's going to talk about what happens right after our dash ends. It's a story that most of us are very familiar with. It's a story of the rich man and Lazarus found in Luke chapter 16. You can go ahead and be turning in your Bibles to Luke 16. By the way, not only is this particular story one of only two where the main character dies, this is the only story that Jesus tells where he gives a name to one of the characters. And I don't know why he did that. I don't know why he gave a name to the character Lazarus. I don't know why he chose the name of one of his best friends to give to this man Lazarus in his story. I do know that it's a little bit easier to remember a story. It's a little bit easier to maybe identify with a story when we, when we put a name to a character. But the story begins in verse 19 of Luke 12. And this is how Jesus introduces the characters. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. There was a rich man. That's how we're introduced to the rich man. That's how Jesus, uh, that's the information that Jesus tells us about this man. And by the way, I, I don't think that Jesus is trying to give this information necessarily as a criticism. I think he's trying to tell us that this is a man who has some challenges. Listen, it's, it's a wonderful thing when a man or a woman who's living under the reign of God has a lot of resources. It's a wonderful thing when someone who is living in, under the will of God has wealth. It's not a bad thing. Remember Abraham, one of the wealthiest men in Scripture. But we talked about last week that there is the temptation for wealth to cause us to view our dash differently. There is that tendency for wealth to cause us to uh, maybe have an unrealistic reality of our dash so Jesus is always warning us don't let cash waste your dash and you remember Jesus spoke into a culture that believed if you had great wealth you had great piety that that if you were a wealthy person that sort of proved that you were living in the will of God the, the very fact that you were wealthy proved that, that God showed favor on you 
Not real different from a lot of messages that preachers preach today sometimes. But it's into that same culture that Jesus spoke words that completely reversed that teaching. Now he said in Luke 6, 20, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Nobody was preaching that sermon. And as revolutionary as that sermon was, uh, this sermon was even a little bit more so. Luke 18, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus lived in a culture where people believed that race and privilege were their ticket to heaven. That if you were Jewish, and if you were wealthy, you were in. And Jesus says, I want you to listen very closely to this story because you do not understand the kingdom. So he goes on and he says this. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who want to go from here to you, and I don't know why anyone would want to do that, but those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. Here's the thing. Death is the great equalizer. I mean, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, we're all going to die. Death is the great equalizer, but Jesus makes it really clear that there is not equality in eternity. Okay, there, There's not equality when, when it comes to eternity. Um, in this life, there was a rich man who seemed to have it all. And there was this poor man, Lazarus, whose sores were licked by dogs. In eternity, it's the poor man who has it all. And the rich man is licked by flames. One man in this life begged for crumbs. The other in the next life begged for a drop of water. One man in this life was kept out by a gate. The other, in the, in the next life, was kept out by a gulf. They were not equal. And remember, just like our story last week, Jesus does not say that this man, this rich man, was rich because he was unethical in his lifestyle or immoral in some way. The problem with the rich man wasn't what he made. The problem with the rich man is what he missed. He missed the opportunity to use his wealth to use his blessings to be a blessing to someone else. Now, the rich man knew he had a beggar at his gate. He knew the man's name. But there is something about living in a world of plenty, and I'm kind of talking about us right now, something about living in a world where we have just about everything, that we tend to not notice those who don't really have much of anything. No, we have plenty, 
And our plenty distracts us from people who don't have enough. Those Lazaruses in our world, they kind of start to become invisible to us. We get distracted. It's not necessarily that we don't care as much as we just don't notice. I'll give you an example of this. Several years ago, there was a documentary made on television about Mother Teresa. And not long after that documentary came out, there was sort of a mini-documentary made on the documentary about Mother Teresa, specifically talking about the presentation of this information about this woman and um, the advertisements that were put into the presentation. Uh, The original documentary followed Mother Teresa during just her ordinary days, serving some of the most oppressed people in the world. And it showed her working, you know, very closely with people who had leprosy. And then cut away to a commercial for women's bathing suits. And it showed women on the beach wearing very skimpy swimsuits. Then you hear Mother Teresa talking about working with people who were literally starving to death. Followed by a commercial for where you could buy designer jeans. And then Mother Teresa talking about the agonizing poverty that she was working in. Followed by a commercial about where you could buy a fur coat. Mother Teresa talking about dealing with children, babies who were abandoned. And there was a commercial about where to get the best ice cream sundae. And then finally, her work among the dying, followed by a commercial about where you could buy the best diamond ring. And I guess the absurdity of placing those kinds of ads in a story about someone as serving and as selfless as Mother Teresa is kind of what happens to us. We just get distracted. We get sidetracked. We get so preoccupied with other things that we don't see the things that God really wants us to pay attention to. And by the way, notice Jesus does not say that Lazarus' poverty was the fault of the rich man. Lazarus' poverty wasn't the fault of the rich man, but it was an opportunity for the rich man. God wanted to use some of those blessings that he had given this rich man, that he'd given to him. God wanted to bless others through him. What we do with our dash, Jesus says, is important. And it has eternal consequences. That's why Paul would tell Timothy this in 1 Timothy 6. Tell those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which will be soon gone. But their trust should be in the living God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works. Should give generously to those in need. Always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. By doing this, they'll be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of a real life. Don't feel bad because you have resources. Don't feel guilty because you've been blessed. 
Jesus is not asking us to take a vow of poverty. He is asking us to take a vow of generosity. Because life is brief. And we need to, as Paul said, when we have the chance to use our money to do good. To give generously to those who are in need. Back up to our story here. Take another look at verse 20. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores. Lazarus was laid at this rich man's gate. You know what gates do? They keep people out. Not very far from my house is a neighborhood with multi-million dollar homes in it. Around Lake Thanodosassa. Beautiful, beautiful homes. I've never been in that neighborhood. You know why? There's a gate. <laughs> and people like me uh, aren't supposed to go across that gate. That's what gates do. They keep people out. You know what else gates do? They keep people in. Someone who, who has a lot. You, you want to go to like a third world country, you know who has the people who have some wealth? It's the people who have gates, walls around their homes. This rich man wanted to be sure that he stayed in his world. He didn't want to be in Lazarus's world. He wanted to be sure that he was separated from the beggar Lazarus. The rich man didn't want to go to the other side of the gate. So instead of using his blessings to add an extra chair to his table, he uses his blessings to put a bigger lock on his gate. And he completely misses the opportunity to become what God created him to be. He misses the opportunity to do the will of God and to serve with the hands of Jesus. Now, don't read this story and think this is a story about how, the Laz how Lazarus needed that rich man. This is actually a story about how that rich man needed Lazarus. He needed Lazarus to be able to be the person that God created him to be, that God gifted him to be, entrusted him to be. We know this story well enough to know that it ends in a, in a pretty uh, unexpected way. Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. Kind of interesting. First, the rich man tries to boss Lazarus. Then he tries to boss Abraham. Hey, you got to go back and warn my brothers. Abraham's response is, don't your brothers have Bibles? Don't they have Moses? Don't they have the prophets? Your brothers have been warned. Because in the Bible, you cannot miss the unmistakable fact that God's heart beats for the poor and the oppressed and the dismissed. In the Bible, there are over 2,000 verses that deal with the poor and deal with justice. By the way, the rich man was warned as well. He had Moses, he had the prophets, he had Torah. He should have known, Proverbs 22, 
Verse 9, a generous man himself will be blessed when he shares his food with the poor. But this man did not share his food with the poor. He kept it all for himself. Nowhere in Scripture, nowhere in Scripture, does it tell us that we are blessed because we are so entitled. We don't have what we have because we're entitled to it. And people say, yeah, but I work hard for what I have. I work really long hours and I work hard for everything I have. Listen, let me tell you something. There are millions of people, tens, hundreds of millions of people who are going to go to work tomorrow morning who work hard from sun up to sundown, and they're still not sure they're going to have enough food to put on their tables. You do not have what you have because you've been entitled. You have what you have because you've been entrusted. Scripture is constantly telling us to love God by loving our brothers and our sisters. And to live any other way is just a waste of a good dash. Well, he finishes his story this way. No, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they'll repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Okay, here's the point of this sermon. Really the point of the whole series. We need to be living our lives today in such a way that if we find out that we don't have very many more days to live, we won't have to change our lives. We need to be living today in a way that if I know I'm not going to see tomorrow, I don't have to change too much about the way I'm living my life. Which is why we keep going back to Jesus. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians about Christ's example. You know how full of love and kindness our Lord Jesus Christ was. You know that, right? Someone yet nod. Yeah. You know how full of love and kindness our Lord Jesus Christ was. Though he was very rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. You know what that verse is saying? Jesus didn't stay on the other side of the gate. Not only did Jesus not stay on the other side of the gate, not only did he go through the gate, he took Lazarus' place. He became poor. He became despised. He was rejected. Why? So that we could be rich. Now, I told you how well we know this story of the rich man and Lazarus. Even though we are so familiar with that story, it is a hard teaching. And it's difficult. And I'm not going to pretend that, that it's, it's so easy to wrap your mind around. And I'm certainly not going to pretend that it's really easy to obey uh, those, those teachings. Because you and I both know that we are constantly bombarded with propaganda that goes exactly against everything I've said today. We're going to need some help to wrap our minds around that. And we're going to need some help 
to be able to understand that and be able to live that kind of life. And that's where the cross blesses us. The cross constantly reminds us of what counts, of what matters, of what lasts. You know, we listen to this story and immediately we identify with the rich man, right? I mean, why wouldn't we? All, we all have so much. We live in America. But when you think about it through the lens of the cross, the reality is we are all Lazarus. We are all beggars. None of us are entitled to come to the table. We're begging for scraps. Jesus, through the cross, has invited us to the table. Through the cross, through him becoming poor, has made us rich. He didn't stay behind the gate. Instead, he took our place, which ought to be motivation for us to live today like we want not just our days to count, but we want today to count. We want to honor God and bless others with the riches that he's given us. Let's make it count today. Let's pray together. Father, this morning we thank you. We thank you for making a way. We thank you for tearing down that gate that stood between you and us. We thank you for the unbelievable truth that Jesus chose to become poor so that we might become rich. And Father, I pray for softer hearts. I pray that we don't wait until it's too late to cry out to you, but that we'll live our lives today, this day, in the strength, in the confidence, in the example of Jesus Christ. And I pray it in His name. Amen. This morning, as always, if there's something going on in your life that we can help you with, pray with you about, we invite you to come to the front and let us know. Let's be standing while we sing.